Boom. Not yet. Not yet. I'm sorry. I have the father's seat in the right spot. That's right. Otherwise, he's not going to be in camera. Good morning. Welcome to church. I'm Jesse Peterson. Thank you for being with me. Um, you can get involved by going to our chat line and we'll respond to your questions and comments on quarterly. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Amazing. Um, any questions or comments? Anybody had a life or did you come again to be taught? Nobody had a life? Be taught. Be taught? Okay. So, what's the difference between you and the government? I was thinking about that this week. What's the difference between you and the government? Anybody want to be first? Go first. Yes. Nothing. And why do you say nothing? We the people. We are the government. So not, there's no difference between you and the government? No. Because of what reason? You said we the people. The government is the people. Oh, okay. Um, what's the difference between you and the government? The government uses force. To do whatever everything it does, and I don't. You don't use force, right? What do you use? Voluntary interactions. <laughs> Explain that. Um, if I want to get someone to do something for me, I ask and I accept no for an answer. When the government wants you to do something, you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah, otherwise you'll eventually wind up in jail. Oh, okay. Amazing. Um, yes, sir. What's the difference between you and the government? Well, I would say um, there's no difference between me or the individual and government. We make up the government. What's the difference between you and the government? Keep it on you. Nothing. What's the difference between you and the government? Um, well, uh, I'm an individual. The government is a collective uh, I don't think the government has force, but they can put you in a corner, make you feel like you're going to be forced. They can put you in a corner? Yeah, they could do stuff to make you feel like you're getting forced, like you ain't got no choice. But I, I'm a firm believer that there's always a choice. We always get to choose. Whether we choose right or wrong is on us. Who is us? Well, on the individual, I should say. So myself and whoever else is in that situation. So the difference between you and the government is that the government can put you in a corner? 
I'm a, I'm, I would say, compared to the government, I would consider myself an individual. The government is made up of a collective of us all, citizens, but I don't think there's a, I think that we're different. I mean, I think that the government is made up of all of us. We all have a say in it. And we want to partake. That's fine, but we don't have to. Um, but I think that uh, we, you know, the government is, I think the definition of government is something about, you know, the collection of people who govern, you know, so it's okay. all of us. What's the difference between you and the government? Have you ever thought about this? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, How are you doing? I'm good. How's life? I'm doing really well in life. Good. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between me and the government? I'm, I'm just me, and it's a collection of people, so I, in a way I guess I'm different, but the government is made up by people, so. The government is what? Made up of people. Of people. Mm-hmm. So the difference is what you're an individual and the government made up of people? Yeah, so it's a group versus a single person. Oh, okay. Amazing. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I think the difference is I see a lot of crime locally, and I try to stand against it, and and I feel like the government neglects me, uh, neglects uh, the uh, standing against the the crime. So you see a lot of crime and try to stand against it. Yes, and, and how just do you do that? Yes, uh, in my small area in the alley, there's a lot of crime and vandalism uh, and activity that shouldn't be there. And I and I tell I ask people and I tell them that you know I've I, you know I tell them what's going on. There's been too much crime and that it's my goal to keep the area clean and clean up that that just that small area, you know, uh, in the alley where where I live. So the difference between you and the government is the government don't clean up crime and you try to at least. Well, you I've called the police and it seems like they Do are they liberal and they take the side of the person drinking alcohol and trashing up the, the alley and you know they they vandalize the outlet and they're charging their phone there and they just uh, they, they don't they won't leave and and so uh, okay. the, the ones that have come back I, I get kind of angry and then they tell me that I'm harassing the homeless people and, and I tell the cops so <laughs> You know, I live here. I'm trying to keep the area. Right. Been, and they don't take any pictures of the of the vandalism. And, and it's gotten so bad that they've come in the building. And it's, it's a nice building. You know, I live on Broadway. So uh, I think that's the difference is right now I'm trying to stand against, stand for, you know, cleaning up the area and stand okay. against crime. Government's neglecting it. That's That's what I see right now. All right. Yes, sir. What's the difference between you and the government? Um, to give you a direct answer, there's no difference spiritually. So, What do you mean by that? So the government is an outward manifestation of your internal spiritual reality. Explain that. What do you mean? So the things that you struggle with and deal with internally, the government is a reflection of that externally. So the people make up the government. And their inward realities are going to be made manifest into the world. So if you're if you're dealing, for instance, if you're um, if you're dealing with fear, if you're dealing with uh, 
um, trouble on different sides of your reality, the government is also going to be dealing with that in their way. And it's a collective, it's a conscious collective of all of our um, thoughts and imaginations, and that, that's what makes up the government. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Right here. What's the difference between you and the government? I really don't know. You don't know? Yeah. You haven't paid attention? <clears throat> I have been paying attention. I just, I don't know. I don't know what would be the difference between me and the government, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. I've, I've heard everybody, but then I'm just like, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to give you an answer that I'm, right. you don't know. Right, make up something. Yeah. Amazing. Right here. Uh, the government seeks money, power, and fame, but I no longer seek those. That's the difference between me and the you government. No I used to, you, you still? and I so I used to be the same as them, seek the same goals. But now that I woke up, I no longer seek the same thing. Nice, he's absolutely right. The government seek power and control uh, and money, and until you wake up, every human being is the same way. Every human being. You're as mean to yourself and to others as the government is to you. There's no difference. It's just that they wear a, a job title. And you're right, the reflection of the government is everybody in the world, really. Except that you wear a title. The government just wear a title of government. You may wear a title of cook or homemaker, whatever, right? But it's the same spirit. It is the same spirit. And if you pay attention to the government, well, if you pay attention to you, you will see what's really going on in the government. It's the same thing. All these wars and control and, and fake friendships and turning on each other in the government, it's happening all over the world with everybody. Everybody. And you hear a lot of talk now about Woke versus versus whatever. What what is if if you're not woke, then what are you? You're what awake? Awake. So the people who are woke and those who are not woke is awake. Awake. What does that mean? Bring. So to my understanding, the phrase is awake, not woke. And what is awake? Awake is when you start to wake up and you start to see things as they are. And everything you're teaching is. You, you see that everybody's the same. It's all an individual. Um, and then being woke is thinking that you're being oppressed and you need to fight back. And oh, you need to stand up for something. Are there people who are awake a little nicer than the woke? <laughs> I don't know because both both sides of the spectrum think that they're quote unquote nice. Right. So it ends up becoming a spiritual battle between both instead of just accepting each other as is and re and waking up within yourself and then seeking. So do the awake people know that they are no different than the woke? If or they're do they think they're better I believe than if the they're in my opinion if they're truly awake, they know that they're the same. Right. But Amazing. if they're if they're waking up, probably not yet. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the government is no different than us. It's the same spirit. They do the same thing to each other, and they'll do it to you. They try to get control over you, 
and they try to get control over others in the same way you try to get control over others. It, it, nothing is real. It's crazy. No friendships are real. No familyships are real. There is no love. Because if there were love, real love, we wouldn't have all this mess going on. But the reason you can't deal with the government the right way because you're not dealing with self in the right way. You're not overcoming yourself. You're absolutely right. Because once you see what's going on with you, then you're going to see what's going on with everybody else. And then you would never judge, but you will have control. You would be, because you would see as a spirit, as someone said, it's a spiritual battle. It's truly a warfare between good and evil. Um, yesterday or Friday, we went over to uh, Dallas, Texas, and to watch this Uncle Tom 2 and uh, the premiere of Uncle Tom 2. Y'all heard about that? And I highly, highly, highly recommend that everybody and their mama, and I'm not doing it because I'm in it or anything or making profit, but Uncle Tom, too, explains what's going on in this world like I've never seen before. The brainwashing and the deceit that's been happening for years is, is amazing. It will force you to look at you. And you're going to understand this whole, um, without getting into it, because I can't be. How was it for you, Nick? Nick saw it too. Yeah. What'd you look? Well, it was the first time I'd seen it all the way through, and um, I was stunned after. It really was. I, I was just stunned. What was stunned? Uh, it was you, really. Without getting all the Yeah, new, I'm trying to think was, about it that way. What was new for you? What was new? What did you realize from it? I don't want to say, like I said, because I don't want to give it away. Like, there's some, it's really, it's a lot of really good info. Just really things I never really knew. Yeah. And I can't say what they were because I'd be giving away. But it's things I never knew. About history, about, you know, about, uh, oh, you know what's one? Um, Government-funded schools. That was one. It's like, I just didn't realize how modern they are. They're really new. Like, just at, the whole idea at of... At one time, there was no government-funded schools. Did you know that? Yeah. I that. And when they were not funded by the government, they were better because the teachers were sincere, the respect for one another, respect for the teacher, and you didn't know all about the teacher's private life, and you didn't know her husband or his, hus- his wife. You didn't know anything because there was a, a sense of respect there when the schools were not government-funded. But when the, when the government took over the schools, then that's when everything started to change. And so I reflected on that. I, the school I went to, I don't think it was government funded. I think what happened like a year or so before they integrated the school, when they had the whole civil rights movement, that's when the schools became, started to be government funded. Because I remember, and I was like, 11th or 12th grade, but I remember they started giving the kids free food, free lunch. But prior to that, we had to buy lunch or make our own lunch. And when I was in school, we called the teacher Mr. and the, the ladies, Miss, whatever their name were, Miss Buller, Miss Coma. I hate to mention Miss Coma's name. You know why? Because she gave me a whooping once I would never forget. <laughs> Miss Coma whooped me because I didn't want to take a shot. 
and uh, she was mean. But may her soul rest in peace. She was a good teacher. So it was okay for the whooping. But, <laughs> but I remember our school was probably funded because some of the donors would come and visit the school like once a year, and we would have to go in the auditorium and show appreciation, put on a play, and do stuff to show our appreciation. And the school was better off. And we never knew anything about the teacher's private life. They didn't put it out there. They dressed well. They didn't dress like the kids did and all that. But that went away, started to disappear when the government started to take over. And you, that's a good point. You don't want government-funded schools. Really, it's a mess. But this movie also brought out, without getting all the details, I want to discuss a little bit about it, it brought out the whole civil rights movement thing. Remember, I've been saying on the shows that there where the civil rights movement was the worst thing that happened to black people, worse than slavery. Whatever slavery was, because blacks don't really know what slavery was, right? But the civil rights movement was worse than that. The deception and the setup was mind-blowing. I used to work for a union, and at first I started out as a, a shop steward at, my, at the hospital I worked in. And a shop steward is the person that represented the union on the job. But it, the union didn't pay you. You still got paid by the employee. But then I was so good at being a shop steward. And what a shop steward did, if the employee had a problem, I would go and deal with the, the manager at the job. And if that didn't work, I'd bring in the union, representing the person that had the problem. And I was really good at it. And so the union hired me as a uh, union organizer. And they trained us to go and help set up unions in hospitals and things that didn't have unions. And they would train us to go and do that. And what they, one of the things that they taught us that I didn't understand then, as I understand now, is that when you go to the hospital, you stand outside and you look for the angry, complaining employee at the hospital. And most of the time, it would be the employee that didn't show up a lot at work or complain about their pay, even though they didn't show up to work. They would be carrying on about the hospital. And so we would talk to that person and that person will help get us in to talk to other employees. Then we will set up a meeting somewhere, and that's how the union would get in. The point is, they would deal with the angry people first. Because when you're angry, you don't see what's going on. When you're angry, you think what you're doing is right, and everybody else is wrong. Because you're in darkness, and you cannot see. And that's what the Civil Rights Movement was all about. It was about dealing with the angry blacks that were complaining and wasn't really doing anything in life anyway. And the civil rights movement used those people to usher in socialism. It was about bringing in socialism. And, um, uh, and this movement lays that out so well, it makes you want to holler. But it also makes you look at yourself to see that how blind you are as an angry person. You must, you must. I had no idea the wickedness of this world, really. Because when I was growing up, I thought the world was nice. And I think it was a little nicer then because I remember that the older black people didn't want us to get involved with the civil rights movement. They're like, no, stay away from that. It ain't what you think it is. 
blah, 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 right? Now I understand. So I highly recommend that you, first of all, get to know yourself. You don't know the depths of the wickedness of your own heart. You really don't know. We've been so brainwashed by the, uh, anger, which is of the devil. Never let anyone tell you that anger is good, really. And anger, because uh, a lot of us hold on to it for so long in our life, no one tells us that how bad it is. We think that it's good. And the more you think that it's good, you give it into the devil, and the deeper you're going into darkness and don't even know it. And all of your insecurities, your shyness, you're looking for love, you're judging your fellow man, you're gossiping, your fear, your identities, it all come from anger. It all come from anger. That's why the world is able to put titles on you. Or you're an alcoholic. And you believe that you're an alcoholic because you get drunk, right? You go home every night and get drunk. And you don't just see it as, you know what, I'm using this to, to hide from something. I'm using this because I don't want to see myself. If you saw it as a spiritual thing, then you will overcome it. But when you let the world put a title on you and, and say that this is who you are, you identify with that title and you will never go free. And that's what, the, that's what the government is doing. That's what the world. If you really pay attention to yourself and your surrounding, that's what you're always doing to each other. You do it to the children. Poor children, they don't have a chance. The, the drama that goes on in the home with parents and the effect that it has on the children and the neighbor is mind-blowing. And then you wonder, well, why are the kids like this? I'm so nice. No, you're not nice. But the government, and it's just evil rules this world. And if you notice that anger is the primary religion nowadays in the United States of America, everybody and their mama encouraging anger and the reason they're doing it because they want control over you. Because they're so insecure with themselves. And they think that power and this perceived power because they're not really power. And wealth is what's going to make them feel better. And it's not. It just makes you worse. You've got to get to know yourself. Because it all starts with self. As someone said, it starts with self. Then you see what's going on outside yourself, inside of others. It's a mess. And this movie, Uncle Tom, too, lays it out very, very, I mean, you will have to not want to see what's going on. Really. Ain't nobody happy. Nobody has true peace. But you can't have it. You could be in this world, and the whole world outside of you, you could be all screwed up. It could be hell, and it is. But you could be at peace in this world. But you got to know yourself, drop the anger, you must forgive. So we, if you get a chance and we get a chance, check it out. It's going to blow your mind. Uncle Tom 1 was amazing, but this was taken to a different level. And hopefully there's a part three to it. They had to hold back a little bit because it's too much reality. And most people won't be able to handle reality, so they, at some point they kind of... Um, it's about two hours, right? Uh, you know what? I, I can't remember because honestly, I can't. Wa- I'm not like a person that sits down and watches anything. That right. movie went by, and I meant to when I said I was stunned. Like, I think everyone should really watch it. I mean, yeah, um, 
I think it's two hours, but it goes by. It's so deep. It's so true and so real. I, I would love to tell you everything about it, but the one thing I can Can I tell you this? Don't do it. <laughs> no, no. You're going to be surprised. You're going to be quite shocked. So what now? Okay. No more building. It's almost like revolver, huh? Yeah, don't build it anymore. <laughs> I told a whole revolver thing before y'all saw it. <laughs> I know you knew the movie before you saw it. But I want you, it's going to blow your mind. It's going, socialism is evil. But I had no idea about socialism. I, didn't, I understood, I've been paying attention more over the years since doing radio and stuff and people talking to me about it. But I had no idea the depths of socialism. And I had no idea the depths of what people would do to control you. Really. And how even in the churches, the preachers don't want you to be an individual. They don't want to point you back to God so you can become your own man, your own woman. They literally want control of you. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's crazy. But it's evil. It's the difference between good and evil. So I highly recommend that you get to know yourself. You got a guy because y'all ain't nice either. <laughs> really, it just looked nice like you're nice, but you ain't nice. <laughs> it just looked like it. <laughs> you know, you dress up, you get cleaned up on Sunday. You come to church, you say all the nice little things. But what happened when you leave here? What happened? What's on your heart? You know what I'm saying? What are you really thinking? You got to really, really pay attention. It's a mess. It really is. No wonder God said you can't trust, do not trust an angry person. Anyone that has anger is of the devil. And look how, just look how family members treat each other, friends treat each other, co-workers treat each other. All in the name of Jesus, they said, oh, I'm an I'm a observer. I can see. But you can't see because if you can see, you will always be of the light and try to point others back to the light. You wouldn't want control over others. There would be no need to have control over others. What's so amazing about returning to love, overcoming anger? I didn't know this, that all your shyness and all your insecurities and all your fears and doubts and worry, and you'll be willing to face whatever you got to face. I didn't know that come to the forefront and all that other stuff disappear. It's abnormal to be shy and afraid. It's just people. And everybody in the world have the same problem. Nobody, I I don't care if you go to China, if you're from Russia, wherever, it's a spiritual problem. And everybody who has anger is insecure and doubtful, worry, and not, they're not living a simple life. They're living the, the hell life, a fake life. So you got to pay attention to yourself, all right, so that you can overcome. And, once, and you will overcome, but you got to stay with it. It's not, especially the ego. The heart is easier to change than it is the ego to die. Really, the ego death is a mess. <laughs> because it doesn't, and it, the ego death doesn't happen right away. The heart changes right away. As soon as you can see that you're wrong for hating, being angry, and you go and apologize, hey, I'm sorry for resenting you, the heart changed right away. But the identity of the 
thoughts and feelings, that's a different story. Because you're so identified with thoughts and feelings, you really think that is you. And so when you have the thought, you get the feeling. It, it's in your body. It just feels like you. And when you're overreacting to the pain body, the thoughts are talking to you even more so, making you think about the future or the past. And you're so identified with that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Who's going through that or know what I'm talking about? Explain it for me, what I'm saying. What is it like for you dealing with that? Um, well, when I'm angry, later on when I'm more calm, I, I realize that I made a bunch of dumb mistakes and I, yeah. I wasn't right like I thought I was about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. And when you can admit how stupid you are <laughs> to yourself, even if you don't want to tell the world, you, you see it to yourself when the shock of a memory come, when a shock come from a memory of, of the so-called past and future, if you could just know, wow, I was so stupid. In that very moment, things start to change. But if you deny it, no, it wasn't me, it was somebody else, then you prolong your life to death. Yes, ma'am. So we were actually doing, well, Friday we had a, an appointment for acupuncture, and I hate needles, like despise needles. <laughs> I, I mean, understand. just thinking about it, my hands, like my palms are sweating. Yeah. How, how do I overcome that? Like I am, we had an appointment, I walked out, and he's Whoa. like, no, you're, you're fine, stay. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm leaving. And it's honestly, just the thought of it, like my palms are sweating right yeah. now. I, I, I'm the same way about needles. I don't like needles. Like, I, I can work with needles because I worked in the dental field, so I was able to, you know, punch somebody up, but, yeah, but not myself. Yeah. You know. What I've learned to do about that is when I go to the dentist or about, I need a shot or something, I close my eyes so I don't see the needle. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that, no. Really, honestly, when they say we're going to. Oh, gonna, my God. I, I know. When they say we're going to bring the needle now, we got to give you a shot, I look away. I don't look at the needle, and that way I'll have an image of it. But if I saw the needle coming, it's over. <laughs> I was, I've been like that. I used to run track, and I love running track. I was fast at track. But then I got fluid on my knee, and, and it would hurt when I run. And so they said, well, you have fluid on your knee. We're going to have to put a needle in there and bring the fluid out, right? I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> and so I quit track. And I wonder now, what would I have been doing had I stayed with it? Because I really liked it. I was very good at it. But I said, I'd rather quit track than to let you put a need on me. And I quit track. Isn't that amazing? So but the secret is, you need the shot. Close your eyes. Don't, let, don't see the needle coming. That's not, that doesn't help me up here. Are you kidding me? Well, that's what worked for me. <laughs> And then relax. I, because I when they're about to shoot you, if you I do was it, sitting in the chair, and I'm like trying to do the silent prayer, and just the thought of needles yeah. was like, no. I literally physically walked out, and I left him. I understand. So, but that's what I do. I just close my eyes and don't look at the needle. Because when I'm looking, if I see it coming, this long, sharp end thing about to go in my body, it doesn't even make sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I close my eyes. Only for right, a moment, and the moment's gone. Okay. Uh, yes, sir, right here. 
I have an example of the eagle pain. It's like late at night, you know, you, uh, you know you need to go to bed, so you brush your teeth, take a shower, and then but you have like snacks laying around in your room. Yeah. All of a sudden, like you feel pressure right here. Yeah. And then you want the snacks, and then and then after that, you start getting all these thoughts like, oh, it's Saturday, you could just have one, and oh, you know, you could brush that, your teeth after. That is so true, man. And then but when you're awake, you could kind of like, you could see that if you just step back a little bit and just watch it, you might be, you, there's a chance of just overcoming it. Yeah. But then sometimes the pull is like too strong where like you just go eat it. And then, so that's an example. That is a perfect, perfect, perfect example. Here's what I want to recommend because I know what you're talking about, right? Uh, the next time that, that happens, let's say that you're about to go for it. And you realize, you know what, I shouldn't do this. I'm trying to run away from this pain, right? Just for a moment, don't do it. A little moment is a lot of growth. And so after that moment passed where you don't do it, you may still eat one, but you won't pig out on it. And Satan can't make you feel guilty because once you eat it, then you feel guilty about eating it. Now you're going to want to pig out on it. But once you, if you just let that... Take the pain just for a moment because it's not you. It's not you. It's the devil in you, the ego of the nature of the devil. So let that moment pass for a minute and you will see that God is with you and he will give you a little strength. So the next time the temptation come, you can resist it even more so. And after a while, you, it wouldn't be an issue for you at all. Yeah, I'm at a point where it's like 50-50. Sometimes I could step back and, yeah. and then and like kind of like shine a light on it, yes. and then it'll go away. But sometimes the pull is too strong, and I just, you know. That is, so at least you know, too, the blessing is, you know what it is now. Yeah. Even if you do give in to it, you know that you had this pull that came from the ego, and that it's not you, and it's not from God. At least you know, because most people are not aware enough to know that it's not them that making them want to do yeah, that. Yeah, back then, I thought it was just me, and I was just, yeah. it was just, Part of life. It was just normal. Yeah. That's How old are you? 34. Oh, you look much younger. Yeah, Not thank you. 34 at all. Yeah. Uh, is this your first time here? No, I, this is my second time. Oh, I, I came here like two years ago, maybe. That was my first time. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Are you doing the silent prayer? Yeah. Nice. Stay with it. Stay with it. And, and go, once you go through the ego death, it's all over. But the shouting. Because now you can live by the truth. And not the lie. As long as you have that ego. And the beauty is too. Once you And I didn't know this until it happened. Once you go and forgive. You now have the spirit of God. The strength to overcome the darkness. The, dark, the light will take care of it. And a lot of preachers don't tell you that. They don't tell you what salvation is of the heart. You must be born again of the heart. The heart must change from hate to love. Because hate is the nature of the devil, right? So he changes the heart because once he changed the heart, now you got some, you have the spirit of the Father. The same spirit that's in Christ is in you, and it will fight the battles for you because you can't fight the battle. The focus should not be on the overeating or that. The focus should be on the heart. It should be on the love. It should be about that. But the world have taught us that the focus is on the vices and all that crap. And now you're judging yourself for overeating and all that. And all you're doing is keeping yourself in hell. Mm -hmm. 
That's all you're doing. You, because you're playing God by judging yourself. <clears throat> it's enough to see your weakness, but don't judge your weakness. Admit that you're weak. See that you're weak, but don't be mad about being weak. It's enough to see that you drink, but don't be mad about the drinking. Just see that you're drinking, and you're going to see why you're drinking. Uh, because in all honesty, you're using the drink and everything, but you've been turned away from the Father. You're not in the wilderness of darkness, and out in that darkness is something missing. And so you're trying to fulfill the missing something with things, with stuff, vices and whatever it might be, right? And you're getting a false identity from that. So the vice is not the issue. It's the heart that needs to change so you can turn back toward the Father and go all the way through the darkness back to the light. And that's what he would do for you. Isn't that amazing? But nobody will tell you. I'm like, what the? It's of the heart. It's of love. Because if you ain't got love, you're not going back to God. You can hang it up. You can read the Bible till the cows come home. You can live in the greatest house. You can have all the money of the world. You could be the president of the United States. You could be the president of the world. But if you have no love, you have nothing. You have nothing. Isn't that amazing? And love is the real deal from God. It's not an emotional thing. Look how screwed up emotional love is. Because if someone gets to you with your emotional love, now you're mad. You have emotional hate, anger. And then they say, oh, no, well, you're nice. You're all right. Here's some money. Now you feel better. Now you're thinking that things are fine. And it's not. It's up and down. But God's love is straight. It's constant because it's a dispassionate thing. It doesn't operate by feelings. It's operating about what is true, what is right. And you overcome the world. You will overcome the world. Really. You will. Yes, sir. I saw some other hands, too, that I'll get to you. Um, She mentioned the acupuncture and the snacks. And I thought, you know, being aware is really good. But setting, like, boundaries and goals, like, really small ones. So maybe just trying to, like, reduce a little bit. Like, being aware of what you're doing. and And then maybe with the acupuncture, like, just setting a boundary, trying, like, just one needle and trying to slowly overcome, but to face your fear and yeah. just, you know, gradually. And if you can't do it, you know, you can't, you know, but you tried. And then, you know, you gotta that, relax that's just though. an idea, you know. The one I mean. thing I learned to do is relax when I know the needle's coming. Relax. Because it's not as bad when you relax as the mind think, makes you think it's going to be. If you tense up, then you can feel the needle really going into your body. But if you relax, that's how whole life is anyway. If you relax in life, you can go through life. Really. If you tensed up, if I call you a name right now, and you tensed up, right, you won't be able to handle that. But if I call you a name, whether it's true or not, and you just be like, oh, well, whatever, then you can deal with it. Really. But if you get mad or you, the need is coming, now you're freezing because your mind is working on you, it's going to be harder. But in all honesty, taking a shot is not as bad as you and I think that it is. It's, we just have to relax. Because there's some, nowadays, the nurses don't know how to, they don't tape. When they do the blood thing, they, don't, they can't hardly find a vein, right? 
And here you are afraid of needles. They got a oh. And they put the needle in there, it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. They're very, let me look at the other arm. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's, whereas before they used to be able to find that vein right away and just do it, so it wasn't a big deal. But now sometimes I have been to nurses, you know, a doctor where they have to punch you several times. That's bad. I'm like, are you going to get it this time? <laughs> yeah, I knew I got a vein somewhere in there. <laughs> Um, I saw so many right here, I think, and then there and here. But you got to relax in life. Really, that's the key, too. You got to relax and go through life. And all the hell that you face and all the stuff, it will just pass right through. But if you tense up, it's going to stay with you. It's going to stay. Yes. So I'm going to take it back to your next comment about the school system, if that's all right. So I was reading a lot of books and experience, well, one life experience, right? My kids going, dealing with their teachers and then reading through a lot of books, I learned that the school system we have today in America is not intended to evolve, but to survive. Absolutely, man. It's not intended to grow with the times and evolve. Just 10 years ago, we're using a different phone in our pocket that we didn't have before. That's evolution. School system is staying plateau. It's just intended to go. It's a machine that you throw kids in and they spit out, quote unquote, college ready students. And all millennials are depressed because they were told to go to school, get a master's, none have families. And they're wondering what to do with their life because we were all told to go to school. And that was mandatory. That is where you see Uncle Tom, too. That's going to be laid out for you. Yeah. You don't know the brainwashing. And then you'll start saying, wow, I'm brainwashed. I, I didn't know I was being brainwashed. But you're brainwashed because I know, because you're not aware of yourself. If you're aware of self, you will see what others are trying to do, right? Um, I know now why in my growing up days, the older people would tell us, never put another human being over you. Be your own man. Learn from one another hear one another, but never put anyone before God. Only God should be your head. I now understand why. I clearly understand why now. And I grew up, I, I've never had another human being as my God. Never. Because I was taught like that, first of all, by the older people, never do it, right? And I think that's why the preachers used to get mad at me through the years, if I would ask real questions. <laughs> Because I remember once asking this uh, preacher, uh, uh, when I was in my 30s, just before I woke up, uh, we had this preacher form, and the men was supposed, it was a men breakfast kind of thing, and we were supposed to be able to ask the preacher whatever we want. So I, I stood, everybody else was asking the preacher about, how did you get your last name? How did you start a church? I didn't care about all that. He got his last name from his daddy or somebody, right? I want to know how can you be a man? So I stood up and I asked the preacher, uh, I'm insecure. I said, I have a lot of fear and doubt and I feel insecure. And uh, how do you become a man? And then he said, well, you have to read the Bible more. <laughs> I'm like, but I read the Bible. That's what I do. I read the Bible. And I said, that's not happening. And then he got mad. He like, well, that's all I can tell you. You got to read the Bible. 
And then the, the stupid men started applauding the preacher. I was like, what y'all applauding for? I had to stand alone. That's it. There was a whole bunch of men there, right? I had to stand alone, but I was okay. I wanted to know how to become a man. Then I asked God, and that's when I saw how to overcome. Ask God. He'll show you. Don't be afraid to ask him. All right? Yes, sir. I, just to add on another reason. So first off, uh, I pulled my kids out of school. Good. So they're being homeschooled now. Nice. So that's, and there's a lot of reasons that built up to it. Just every year, I didn't feel like the quality of teaching was there. You know, my kids would come home and they would teach me a handful of things, t- tell me a handful of things that they learned. But what really set me off was uh, er- earlier last year with, uh, with my son. He was in fifth grade. And, you know, fifth grade boys, you know, they play around. That's the age where they start testing boundaries and start saying, you know, calling each other names or whatever. So him and his guy friends would call each other like, oh, you're you're gay or you're gay, whatever. Playfully. Right. We're all everybody knows that that's a joke. So somehow the teachers caught wind of it and they pulled all the boys in a class. Female teachers only basically told boys, don't say the word gay. Don't call each other this. Don't call each other that. And when I, and then when he came home, he told me about that. Like I was just furious because I, I wasn't notified that this was happening, and I wasn't notified that they were going to have a meeting. Only female teachers with a bunch of you know nine to eleven year old boys. You know, very uncomfortable, awkward situation. He told me, my son told me, like I would have felt better if there was a male teacher there yeah. telling me, "Hey, look, just watch your boundaries. Be careful what you say." But the women just threw him a lot of emotion behind it. And then we had a teacher's meeting, and I went and I confronted the teachers, both the teachers that, you know, basically had the meeting, and they brushed it off. Oh, well, we, it's taken care of. Oh, well, we, we, it's all taken care of, or we moved forward. Well, it was just they couldn't say these things. And I asked, well, why couldn't there be a male teacher present? Why wasn't I informed? Why couldn't you communicate this with me? So that's when I realized these teachers are just doing a job. They're clocking in. They're clocking out. They're yeah. not really going to educate and teach these kids. And, you know, my wife and I had to have a deep conversation about it. And that's what we decided, you know, who better to teach our children than us? Absolutely. Right. So, and it's, uh, and so far it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's really hard for the entire family. But I think if we struggle now, when they hit their adult years, you know, we'll be able to be at peace because they're not brainwashed by teachers peers because i don't know what their peers are going through right because what if they have a single dad single mom yeah. and they come home and they come to school they bring all that negative and he's surrounded and then he comes home to me like if a virus can spread that way so could the mental and the heart virus 100%. go into my kids and come home yeah. and now i got to deal with it amazing i'm glad you took them out and don't let anyone tell you well you should teach your kids to school so they can learn how to Associate with others, something dumb like that, right? I feel like that's irrelevant because if, if that you look back, important. I, that's not important. I speak to like one friend that I yeah. knew in high school. Like they all fell out. So yeah. really, the true friends they stay there no matter what. There's no point in being. That's right. There is. That's right. When I was a kid, when we were going to school, if a, if a boy acted like weak or whatever, we would call him a sissy. Oh, you a little sissy. They would have put all of us out of school because it was a common theme. <laughs> but it was no big deal. Nobody got in trouble for saying it or anything. Nobody said, be careful how you, you know, with your surroundings. And if you were weak and you told your parents, oh, they called me a sister today. You're like, and? You better learn how to stand up for yourself. 
They don't say, oh, that's a bully, so you should, why, let's get the bully out of school, right? They tell you, you better stand up for yourself, not be all weak and run away from it. But I'm glad, man. Anybody that sends their children to a public school today hate their kids, even some private schools. You, you have to hate your kids. How you, because they're like cutting off body parts. They're, they're giving them medication for depression and you don't even know it. And all kind of stuff happening behind your back. And, and to add to that, he was in a private Christian school oh, when all this yeah. happened. Yeah. They used, it was a private Christian Same school. And now. we thought, we thought, oh, that's better than a public school, right? Private yeah. funded. We should be involved. We should hear from praise the teachers. Praise the Lord. That's better. Yeah. So we, we got him out. Like, praise the Lord and pass the pill. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm glad, man. Are you glad to be taken out? I can't hear you. Yeah. You're glad to be taken out? Yeah. And how about you're not going to be able to play with your little friends? Uh, I'm okay with that. I could play with them online. Nice. On a computer. On oh, a computer. good, man. Right on. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're looking out for your kids. Somebody got to do it. Yes, sir. Then we're going to move here and here. I have your hand, a... right? Okay. Sorry. Uh, I apologize. I have a question for the lady with the needles. Um, uh, you would never make for a good drug at it. Uh, <laughs> no, that uh, you're making me think, and I'm surprised that nobody said this, but uh, you're not born with a fear of needles, okay? Right. I mean, I, have, I see kids here that are <clears throat> 8, 10 years old. At some point, you acquired this fear of needles. Now you have to figure out, when you acquire this fear of needles and then, I don't know, go to a therapist or whatever. I don't know how, no, how to no, deal with it, but you have to figure out, oh, I acquired this fear of needles when I was nine years old and whatever, or eight years old or 11 years old. And that's how you can overcome it. Because once you know the starting point, then you can, you got to figure out a solution from there. But you got to know your starting point. Like, oh. I, was, I never was scared of needles until I was nine years old, and then this happened. And was, oh. Oh, just relax. Really, from experience, just relax. And it's so much easier, even when they mess up trying to find a vein, it's easier if you let the body and mind relax. It really is. Don't look at the needle. That way the devil can't play on your mind. That way you don't, because some of those needles are like real long. You know, and it all depends on what they have to do. But some are really tiny and stuff, so don't look at it. And relax. Just relax. I have, yes. I have something else. You, what you said about some insecure, um, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. And I realized that in everybody's life, whether it's man or woman, there's nothing worse than an insecure man, and there's nothing worse than an insecure woman. Yeah. If you Absolutely. overcome, if you... Avoid insecure men and insecure women. Your life will be amazing. Yes. But the most dangerous thing in your life well, is an insecure woman, coworker, or whatever. And the most dangerous thing is an insecure man. I mean, there's you, nothing worse than an insecure man and nothing worse than an insecure woman. Did you overcome that woman at work? I'm, tr- I'm trying to overcome it. I'm insecure. trying to overcome it. You're insecure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, That's it's why like, you know what you're talking about, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just, uh, you know, you, you know, the, you know it's, it's hard fighting the devil, right? You know, it's like... So the answer is don't fight the devil. Yeah. Don't fight the devil. Let the devil fight by himself, but you stay calm. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, now it's... it's so things, you're, in, you're still insecure dealing with this woman? No, things have evolved now. It's it's strange how how she was supposed to be current... She was supposed to be promoted to our manager, and now she realizes that there's three hours of paperwork per week, and now she doesn't want to be a manager. So I was like, oh, gosh, thank God. You know, she's not my manager. And then... Uh, so you're I, still insecure then? Nah, just... I, I, she's... she's Acted differently now. She's she's like but you she wanted the power of being a manager. And now she doesn't want the power. I know she might be changing, but you're not. How am I not changing? Because you're still insecure, whether you're a manager or not. You should be okay, not bother either way. Well, I mean, she. Now this man saying there's nothing worse than an insecure man or insecure woman, and you're still insecure. What the? Yeah, well, I know, but it just, you know, when somebody has... <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like, I mean, I, I'm not insecure with other things. It's just with insecure, the work. If you're insecure with one thing, you're insecure with all things. Okay. I, okay, I have to overcome that. Yes. I have to overcome my insecurity. Yeah, okay. and I'm going to tell you how in a minute. Okay. This young lady right here want to tell you how. How to overcome it. insecurity at all things. Right here. Um, from what I've learned in life, um, the best way to overcome insecurity is to just the next time that you go in the office with her, watch her, watch how she reacts to you, and just take a moment and just breathe. If you need to go to the back, if you need to take a moment to yourself to just think about what's happening, um, I would say, in my opinion, just watching everything, watching how people treat you. I've had situations at work where people were not so nice and they were manipulative towards me. So just watching things and then the next time a situation happens, you know, if you've prayed about it or you've asked for advice from Jesse, then you'll be able to put those things into practice. Right on. The young lady right next to you want to add to that? Um, I would say... Like not having. You're so blessed to be learning at such a young age. I want you to know that. Mm-hmm. Really, you're missing a lot of hardship and hard times. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say, um, for me, what I found in my workplace in dealing in like high pressure, stressful environments um, with managers that are a little bit crazy, is not having an ego. So, like when they are acting out or being rude, um, does not reacting to it and just like you said just relaxing in it and kind of chilling and not having a response um so then that way if they're nice or they're not nice if they're a manager if they're not a manager it's like whatever yeah just chill about it and to add to what's been said the next time you're around this woman you know how sometimes when you go to the supermarket and you go and you pay your money to the lady at the counter Mm -hmm. and she's all mean like She's not like really smiling or anything, kind of, and it kind of makes you nervous, makes you scared. Uh, and then she gives you a change back, but it's not the right change. She got to give you a dime or something, right? Uh, and then you you want to get you you want to ask ask her for your dime to say, oh, you shortchanged me, but you're so scared because she's already that spirit in her has already put fear in you, and you don't know how she. Anybody ever experienced that? You're scared to ask for your change. No. Because her, especially the post office with black women. 
you scared to ask, well, miss, you shortchanged me by a penny. And so you're so scared on the inside, you say to yourself, oh, that penny ain't worth it. Because the reality is you're too afraid to ask the woman for your, the penny because you're afraid she's going to go off. Right? Anybody ever had that? See? Well, the next time that comes, when that happens, if something like that happens, shaking your boots, but ask for your penny. Really. She doesn't know you're shaking. You know you're shaking in your boots. You know you're afraid to ask, right? And you just don't want to ask because you can't handle her response, her reaction to it. But shaking your boots inwardly, ask for your penny, you'll walk away a different person. You will walk away a different person. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Don't let the fear of that make you not ask for your money. Shaking your boots, see yourself shaking, but miss, you shortchange me by a penny. And, and she's going to look at you all crazy. And mm-hmm. it looks like she think, what do you want a penny for? Get out of here. But you ask for it anyway and take your penny. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. That's how you overcome fear. You got to look at it and take it. You got to relax in it and go through it. That makes sense? Yes, you want? Um, I think as well, I've found um, free working for a long time. A lot of those people that are quite in your face and kind of throw their weight around, a lot of them are more kind of more bark than bite anyway. Yeah. Once you confront them once, they're like, oh. And then they're fine after that. Like yeah. They don't play with you. So. Absolutely. But you got to take it. You got to overcome the fear by facing the fear. You got to overcome it. They, they, they don't know that you feel the fear on the inside unless you act out in some kind of way. You know you're feeling the fear, but they don't know. And God knows, and God will help you overcome it. The light of that will cause you to change. Really, you just got to go through that pain. Yes, sir. You had your hand, right? Uh, a little earlier, yeah. I was going to yeah. add something on the uh, topic of needles. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, what Alex said Part of it I agree with, part of it maybe not, but it is important to look back at where pain first started in our lives. That that, that is a good a good point. Needles, however, um, being something that we don't like is a perfectly natural reaction, right? Yeah. There's nothing natural about a needle, um, just like there's nothing natural about a chainsaw in your face, right? You that should... makes sense, man. It's unnatural to put a needle in your body. Yeah. Yeah, God kind of reveals something to me when the COVID shots started and... I thought about needles in general and about the idea of putting something into your body in that manner. It's pretty unnatural, really, right? Yeah. You know, you think you should, God I designed totally us. totally agree. Yeah, God designed us to eat, and we put something in our mouth. We have our tongue to tell us if something's wrong with that thing, or our stomach will tell us if something's wrong with that thing. You put a needle in your arm, your skin says, something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> this is a problem. That's a good point. Uh, it so, is an unnatural thing. That's why, too, he's right about that. Totally right about it. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Yes. And then here. So two things about uh, about what's really on your this. mind. Um, I read in, on Solomon's, uh, you know, the, the sin. I remember what you, you said a couple of weeks ago. The sin is not uh, the act itself. Right. The sin is, uh, the, you know, you're, you're imagining uh, an example would be, uh, you know, I'm going to go home today. I'm going to have a nice glass of wine. It's going to be in a beautiful glass. I'm going to fill it halfway. 
and then it's, it's going to taste so well. I'll put two ice cubes in it. That part is the sin. It's the imagination. It's, it's staring into the glass and looking at the color and lusting after it. That's the sin. Um, also, if, the, just to add to that, when someone makes you mad and you don't stand up for yourself right away, and you, you tell yourself, next time I see that person, I'm going to get them. That's the sin. I'm going to cuss them out. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. That's the sin. That's the sin. It's not the act itself, because if you didn't give in to the devil like that, you would never carry out that act. The sin is of the imagination. It's of the mind. That's why you have to bring every thought into captivity. Every thought. You cannot act out anything without having to thought about it first. And so the, the other point, uh, you're talking about needles. I'm not, I'm normally, it doesn't matter to me, uh, I have no fear with needles until I went to have some gum surgery and they had to stick these long needles into my mouth, into my gums, into the roof of my mouth. Yeah, you don't have to get so deep about it. I'm about to fall off the chair. <laughs> I felt, I started having anxiety and started feeling nervous you about it. It was fun, huh? Um, it's stuck in my gum and my long needles. That part is the sin. That part that I just mentioned is the sin yeah. because... I started to have anxiety about it, yeah. and it wasn't, you know, the guy, the, he was a professional. So if I can give you some advice, you deal with people who are experts at it. Because they don't it's exist anymore. Really, they do. It just costs more money. Oh. So anyways, I, uh, I was able to deal with it, and, and, um, and, and so I realized that the sin, the sin is the anxiety is the nervousness because I'm thinking about it. Yeah. That part is the sin. Absolutely. So I didn't know how easy it was to brainwash people. If you have anger, it's easy to brainwash you. Really. Because if you have anger anger, you're already unconscious and don't know it. You're unconscious and don't know it. And so the enemy knows that. And they know how to, that's how communism works. They look for the angry people first because those people are already brainwashed. And they'll make up something that ain't even true. They'll make up a lie that is not true at all, and they'll have you rallying in the streets in support of a lie. Because one of the person believe a lie, you can't, you can't convince them that they're wrong. To them, a lie is the truth. And in this movie, it's going to show you clearly all the angry people were brainwashed. And they, they make a fool out of you because you are rallying for civil rights or you are rallying for abortion because of somebody else told you about it. And you think that is true in your own heart. And you are destroying cities and towns not knowing that you are helping somebody else to destroy something that was an all-made-up lie. That's why you got to overcome, not the only but you should overcome anger so you cannot be brainwashed. You can't brainwash an angry person. Only angry people can be brainwashed. That's why they always look for the angry person in the group. Angry people look for angry other people in a group so they can build an army against you. They're not going to go to you if they know you're not angry because you're not going to fall for it. But angry people will fall for it. Isn't that amazing? When your mama get mad at you for telling her, I'm sorry, I resent you. Instead, of the mama said, okay, I'm sorry, I was wrong. 
she'll, she'll get mad and then she'll look for all the angry people in the family and build an armor against you. Smoke on that. Over, God loves us, right? That's why he wants us to overcome evil with good, overcome anger. And that way you can be in the world and not controlled by the world. When you're not angry, you cannot be controlled. You cannot be brainwashed. Really. Anyway, I saw your hand up, and then here, sir, and then I'm coming to you. I was going to say something to the young lady you gave, the, and she was talking about at her, when somebody's mad at you, look at them and see what they're doing. But I'd go a little further than that. I would look at me and how it affects yeah. me, what they're doing. Yeah. Because that's, that's the only way you see yeah. how affected you are by it. If you're looking at them, if I'm looking at Nick, then I don't see me. I just picked you, yeah. But so the point is that it's about how you deal with them, not how they're not how they're overreacting. Yeah, that's a very that makes sense. Yeah, everything starts with you, and if somebody outside of you can make you feel a certain way or act a certain way, then they have control over you. But if you're looking at you, then whatever they're trying to do won't work. It won't matter because you will see they have a problem that has nothing to do with you. Yeah, good man. Yeah, it starts with you. Uh, yes, sir. Very good point. Everything starts with us. We have to overcome the world, not somebody else. We, should, we get a lot of opportunities to overcome the world. Really. You really do, but you got to pay attention to it. Uh, and so next time you go to the post office or the bank or the supermarket, and that old woman looks at you like you're crazy because she's unhappy, and you feel afraid or at work with that woman, you're shaking your boot, but deal with her anyway. That's how you overcome it. Uh, yes. Oh, well, whenever I was a kid, they used to call us all kinds of names, and so kids then I was mean. Yeah, yeah, I was mean too. Uh, all kids are mean. So uh, then I would, you know, call other people names yeah. and stuff. And then this one kid, he just didn't react to it. And then I was like, it's something changed in me, and I thought, you know, I, I was trying to make him angry and re- make him reactive. And then it kind of, because he didn't react, it kind of changed me, too. Yes, sir. And another Absolutely. thing uh, about name That's calling deep. is, um, I think it's important. Because, I just add, because the light is stronger than the darkness. I think it's important it that we know ourselves because people will try to define us or could define us as something that we're not. Yes. So Absolutely. Stop letting the world define you. Stop letting the world define you. You're not these definitions. You are a son or daughter of God trying to find your way back home. Don't let them define you. You've been turned away from the house, turned away from your father, right? You are that person that's trying in the spirit because we are spirit. You are that person that's trying to find your way back home. But the world title you, give you all these titles and you start naming and claiming them too. You will never find your way back home. That's why the father get rid of all your titles. He free you of all that stuff so you have no identity with anybody or anything but him. He shall be your God. Um, where was I? Oh, right here. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have my hand up. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your first time here? Yeah. What's your name? First Tim. name. 
Tim. Tim, what's on your mind? Um, well, you know how you say um, love God with all your heart, might, and soul? Yes. Um, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? By, by first recognizing you don't know how to do it. And that's good to see you don't know how to do it. You don't know what it is. That way Satan and the world can't make up things and make you think that you know intellectually what you really don't know. And so what? leave it that way and then pay attention to what's going on inside of you. It's enough to know that you don't know. You're going to see, you will see this anger in you that's preventing you from seeing and understanding. You've been living in your head. And when you see, have you gone and for, you heard me say go and forgive, right? Yeah. Have you done that? Uh, both my parents are deceased, but oh, okay. I have since then. You, are you doing the silent prayer? Yes. Oh, well, stay with that. Stay with the silent prayer and watch the thoughts that we were talking about today. And you will come to know what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, and might. It's enough to know that you don't know. That way you don't make up things in the intellect. But just know that you don't know. Stay with the silent prayer. Watch those thoughts. And you will come to know. And once you know, it's yours forever. All right? So don't try to learn it. And if people say what it is, let it go in one ear and out the other one. Because, you know, the devil play God. He pretend to be God. So if someone gave you a definition of what that is, you'll hold on to it. And then you'll start repeating it as though you do know. And when situations come, it'll blow you out the water because you won't be able to handle it, right? But just know you don't know and stay with the silent prayer. You'll be fine. You will come to know. And God, you know, and, and along the way, traveling through the field, you can ask God, you know, give me more light or let me see what I can't see. And he will. He'll help you along the way. He will show you. All right. So don't try to figure it out. Just know you don't know. Amazing, huh? How's how's life going for you right now? How is what? I'm life. Um, it could be better, but it's improving. Yeah. And what can be without going to your personal stuff? What could be better for you, you think? What do you mean by it could be better? I get lost in my thoughts a lot. Yeah. And so and I think I'm improving with that with the silent prayer, but <clears throat> it's still very often just completely in my head. And what do you do when you're in your head? Um, what's going on when I'm in my head? Yeah, yeah. how do you uh, deal just, with that? I, how do I deal with it? I, when I realize that I'm lost in thought, Yeah. And I know that I need to just kind of come back into myself, and that, and that kind of gets me out. That's all you need to do. If you had to do the same thing 100,000 times for the next 80 years, you do that. Just know you're in a thought, and you'll come out of it. And if you, if you, for a while, you're going you're gonna to find yourself going in and out of them a lot. But just come out of it. There's no in a thought. Don't freak out. Don't let the devil tell you it's not working and all that, right? The fact you can see you in the thought, God is with you. And just practice coming out, doing the day, being aware of that, and everything will change. It'll get with time. It'll get easier and easier. But never give up on you. Make it personal. And no matter what situation come, you stay with that, and you'll be fine. Amazing, nice. Aren't you glad I call on you now? Yeah. Nice. Right here, and then I saw your hand, right? Okay. Yes. So. um Touching back on what Doug said, and, and you added to it, um, 
it's like when you're angry at that person, right? And you say like they they control you, they they have control over you. Yes. I think it's also important to add to that that um, they didn't take control of you. You gave them control of you. Yeah. And um, absolutely. Uh, I wanted to touch on that because the main thing I wanted to talk about is like, right? You take control back when you see your kids going through something rather than fight with the school or complain that there's no good schools in LA and like my tax dollars and no, it's like we have a right to self-determine, right? God gives us all that. And you pull your kids out because you're like, I'm not going to do all this. I'm going to take control of what I have control of, which is my children and my family. Very good point. And as a man, that's like you, you can stand firm in that because you know, you have that ability to self-determine from whatever kind of reflection or working through, right? What we all come here. That's what I love about life. One of the things that nobody in the world is smarter than you. Really. Nobody. No Jesse Peterson, Jesse Peterson mama or anybody. You're as smart as the person with 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. Whether they are preacher degrees or whatever degree, you're as smart as they are. But when you turn your life over to them, it makes you feel dumb like you don't know. And it gave them a false ego boost like they know everything. And they're going to lead you down the wrong path. Take control of your own children. You can, you can run your children. You can guide your children better than any teacher or anyone else. As a matter of fact, it's our, as parents, it, it's our responsibility to be the example for the children. It's not the responsibility of the school. You're absolutely right. And then there was one other last thing I was going to add about it to bring it full circle because you talked about government and like how dark this, you know, our society has gotten with government. When it comes to that self-determination stuff, um, I truly believe that every time we come together collectively as like, you know, citizens or whatever, community, and we accept individually and collectively, we accept any form of sin, whether it be uh, giving our kids up to some stranger to teach them for eight hours a day or, or abortion or whatever. When we all willingly accept this sin as a group that makes up government or society, that's when the government gets more power. Absolutely. That's when everything you've ever seen, whether it's civil rights, uh, women's rights, is you give that power up because you say, I don't want to deal with this. It's too, too scary or too That's hard. That's why the government builds groups. It doesn't build individuals because you can't control an individual. You control the group. Really. Good point, man. Let me do this here and then here and then Raymond. And I got to get to the biblical question. It's time going by fast. What the? Yes. Uh, I just realized something through this conversation. You know how, like, insecurity, depression, stress, anxiety, those are all the same thing? Yes. But it's just, like, the devil wearing a different mask? Yes. Like, socialism, communism, fascism, totalitarian, they're all the same thing. Same it's spirit. Just the devil wearing a mask. Absolutely. Wow. That is deep, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. It's the same spirit. This your first time here? Yeah. What's your name? Eric. Eric, welcome, man. What's up? Uh, how's the thing going for you? It's good. It's good. Could be have, better. Have you overcome your anger? I still have my anger. You still have it? Still have it. And why do you still have it? There's a bunch of stuff that I feel like I can overcome, but I'm trying to in the process. It's like a give or take thing. Um, have you got, You heard me say go and forgive your mother? Yeah. Have you done that? I forgive my mom. You told her? Yeah. How did it go? There's a language barrier between me and her because she speaks more Chinese and I speak more English. Right. But she got the point of it, and then she understood. 
she admitted she had issues when I was growing up that oh, nice. she did too. So the point of it got across, but I feel like it could have been elaborated more if yeah. there wasn't such a language barrier. Right, but as long as you know that, you know, you, hey, I'm sorry for resenting you, you can go free. Yeah. And your father, did you go forgive him? I have not. Oh, no wonder then. Yeah. Why not? He is more, he's just like, he has the same personality that I'm under, both stubborn and it's harder to talk to him, especially I work with him too, so. Oh, you do? Yeah, so it's. I, While you're at work, you go, oh, dad, by the way. It's, it's, it's I more. I resent you. <laughs> at work, it's like sometimes I don't know how to draw the line between this is my boss or this is my dad. And it's kind of becomes kind of conflicted, especially if you got to deal with him every day. Right. So uh, it's one of those things. I mean, progressively through the years, ever since I started listening to you, it gotten better. But it's still something that I need to do. Well, you're not going to overcome that anger until you forgive him. Yeah. Because if you don't love your father, you can't love God. Yeah. So just tell him, face it. You know, do you guys go to lunch together sometime? So at lunchtime, they say, hey, Dad, I've been wanting to tell you, I've been resenting you, and I'm sorry for it. Yeah. Just say it, and you're going to shake in your boots, and don't worry about how he reacts to it. If he get mad, he want to fire you, fine. Yeah. If he get mad and doesn't, whatever, that's on him and not you. And if he fire you, that would be good. You can go start your own business or Get yourself another job. It was surprising that I was able to forgive my mom first, but I'm having a harder time for my dad because I, I think I'm closer to my mom, so that was easier. But my dad's were like more distance because growing up he was more the hard-headed parent. He was the hard-headed parent. Yeah, like my mom would like let me do whatever I want. My dad was be, be the more stubborn. Nice one. So, so that's why I appreciate that. Back then, no, but now I understand. Especially Which, after, but especially after like listening to you and all the messages, like yeah, there's a reason why he was like that. Yeah, would tell him that. You know, my mother was easy because I was closer to her. You didn't let me have my way, and I resented you for that. Yeah. Now I understand. I'm sorry for resenting you. Yeah. And don't have any expectation, but I can honestly tell you, in 30. Two years, I have not gotten angry at anyone. And I didn't know you could live that way until the spirit of anger was taken away from me. It was literally taken away from me. And I've gone through a whole bunch of stuff, right? And I'm, not, and I'm surprised I've not gotten mad because I usually get mad. But I, did not, I don't get mad because when he changed the heart from hate to love, what he does is take away Satan's identity from the heart. And he gave you his identity, which is love, so that you can overcome the world. And so if you uh, forgive your father, you won't have to worry about anger anymore. Yeah, that's definitely on the bucket list to do soon. Yeah. And you're going to shake your boots because you have this idea about him, right? But that'll pass, too. So you got to forgive him so you can overcome all this other stuff that you're dealing with. That makes sense? Definitely. Are you doing the silent prayer? No. Oh, hey. <laughs> I only. I, Why not? I, I, I've done it before. It's only. It's not a habit. And then I feel like I only do it when I feel like my life is not projecting the way I want to do. Yeah. So I kind of use it as 
You're trying to play God, huh? You, you, kind of, You're yeah. trying to trick him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, God, I, I'm in trouble. I need prayer, so. Pretty much. Uh, and then once everything's fine, you throw that away. Yeah. You got to, like I was telling him, you got to make it personal. Mm. You got to stay with him. Definitely. Really, stay with it. God say to pray without ceasing because the devil is always trying to work the mind. And he want to renew your mind. So you got to stay with it so you could be aware and he would give you his mindset. And his mindset is a peace and love and no doubt, no worry, no, nothing. Yeah. How, um, how do you want your life to be when you say that when it's not going the way you want it to be? Stress-free. Because I'm stressed out from work, family issues, all that stuff. How like, old are you? 34. Wow, Japanese don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> True. Nice. Yeah. And so you're stressed out with family. Are it's, you married? Uh, no. Nah. Oh, when you say family, what do you mean? It's like parents, brothers, oh, like that, that relationship. So it's, it's, it's like you said, all doubts are lies type yeah. of thing. You know, I let them overpower <laughs> me. So it makes me stress. And inside, I know, like, these are all exterior things. Like, yeah. they don't matter. But yeah. then I let it overpower me to a point where I do get stressed out and let it take over. So that's probably oh. where the silent prayer comes in handy. Right? Only because you believe it in thoughts. The sin is in the imagination first. You believe in a lie. Once you believe in a lie, you're going to have these weird feelings, fear, doubt, anxiety, whatever they call it. But it's evil. And that's what controls you. But when you can doubt the lie, you can believe the truth. Definitely. So I recommend you do the silent prayer. Forgive your father as soon as possible mm -hmm. so that you can start to overcome. All sure. right? Yeah. Amazing, man. Um, yes, Raymond. And then I got to get to the biblical question. Time is almost up, five minutes. Did you have your hand? Oh, yes, right. About, uh, about what some people here have said about uh, how, how education deceives everybody. It seems like that spirit, uh, that spirit of darkness, is tempting everybody around uh, in the world that they need education, just like they need drugs to stay alive. Yeah. And they it's have a lie to you about education. Mm -hmm. Really? And because of that, we're willing to sell our soul and put ourselves into debt, uh, debt because we feel that we're not getting enough education. Yeah, absolutely. They have lied to you that you need a degree. Yes, Hitler. You're doing like Hitler. You need a degree, and then they made you pay all this money for the degree. And then you come out, you don't even do, do the kind of work you went to school for. But now you have a big bill you have to pay. Then you go to Joe Biden and ask him, could you... Could you debt free me? <laughs> and now we got to pay your bill. What the? Uh, yes. You're right about that, Raymond. There used to be a time when I was young that people were more individuals. They, yeah, absolutely. They didn't do everything that was told. Like, for instance, whoever did anything that the CDC told us? <laughs> Never. When I was a kid... My mom said, we, I had five acres when I was young, so we could play, but my mom, my dad was at work, my mom had to leave, I was only about 10, and I had my younger sister, and she said, we, I can't go outside of our area, we had to stay close to home, because she was, she was leaving, and it was a rural, but like a kid, we kind of test things, right? Yeah. I rode my bike all as far as I could ride it, and when I came home, my mom was like, 
So did you leave? <laughs> she caught me. Yeah. She says she had tried to call home. The beautiful thing was for me is that the phone was dead for some reason. She made me go try to call my dad. The f- Mom, the phone doesn't work. <laughs> but, we, but my point is that there's, why do we listen to every little thing? You know? I mean, I, people nowadays listen to literally everything. Because they're afraid to be individual. You're not going to grow until you become an individual. You've got to be your own man, your own woman. Not groupy. Individual. Individual is the way, individuality is the way to go if you want to live. Now, you can join the group if you want and die in that group and never live. It's up to you. But you've got to have a real life where you can be alone, where you can stand alone as an individual. I got to ask this biblical question. Are you a memory of you? Are you a memory of you? Is that right, Nick? Is a memory of you, you? Oh, yeah. Is a memory of you, you? Is a memory of you, you? <laughs> Let me go here, since I see Raymond's hands first, and then here and here. Okay. To answer that question. Long story because of time. Long story I'll make it quick. Okay. A memory of you is not you. It can be anything but you, but it's not you. It's why you say that? Because as long as you have your ego, you can, uh, you can imagine what uh, even what a memory is. Okay. Um, when, you, when you get a memory of you, do you believe that is you at the time? I believe so, because that's why I wanted to believe. Right, but since you know it's not you, why you let yourself go down that road again? Because it's a, what I would call a comfort zone. Amazing. Come out of the, you know, that's another point. You don't want a comfort zone. Come out of your comfort zone. That's not living. That's dying. That's why that example about if the person is mean to you at the store, they're not smiling. They seem like you're bothering them by being in line. And, and they don't give you all your change. You're shaking your boots. You get your money anyway. So and shaking in your boots is bringing you out of that comfort zone rather than being afraid to ask for your money and walking away. Because now you're mad at yourself because you know you didn't get your proper change back. Come out of the comfort zone. You know, let, let life happen so you don't be in the comfort zone. Is a memory of you, you? Uh, no. And why do you say no? Because um, now I see things different, and I look back on memories of myself, and I'm like, what was I thinking? That wasn't me. But uh, you constantly change, so it's not, it's not you. And so it wasn't if, me. If you believe it was the that- not me. <laughs> what the? <laughs> if you believe that, why does it get to you sometimes when you have a memory of you? Why does it bother you sometimes? Well, it doesn't anymore. It never bothers you anymore? No, okay. no, not anymore. How about you? Is a memory of you you? No. And why do you say no? Well, what's interesting is like, um, because I think we're just supposed to be 
ourselves in the present right now. When I think about a prior version of myself, when I myself am trying to go back to the past, it's, it's not me. But what I will say, in my personal experience, um, God reminds you of a lot of things. Okay. Like God just kind of just reminds, for example, for me, God reminds me of things that um, I was, things that I, I would experience and know my, for, uh, things that I would know to be true as a kid that are being revealed to me again. I don't want to say that that's a memory of me. It just almost feels more like that it's God reminding me of what it's like to be more simple-minded, more like a kid. Remember when you stole the cookie from the cookie jar? No, I never like did that. 80 years ago? No. You never stole the cookie no. from the cookie Oh, you're the nice girl. Well, but okay, this is you're the little Christian girl. <laughs> no, everybody else did cooking from the cooking jar. Definitely young. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, what What I do remember when I think back on like the childhood memories, I guess it's more like um, um, what it's like to be a little kid with faith. With what? A little kid with faith. With faith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I think about like um, remembering trusting my dad the same way that I did when I was eight six, five years old, right. there's some truth to that, and that's the kind of stuff that I remember, I guess, that version of me back then. Oh, okay. Amazing. Last one. Are you a memory, is a memory of you, you? <laughs> no. And why do you say no? Because I'm a new man born of the Spirit. And so when uh, the devil reminds you of something you did 20 years ago, does that get to you sometimes? Mm. It doesn't? Oh, good, man. But you're walking on water then. That's good, because that's the way it should be. A memory of you is not you. I don't care. What? I got to end it. And so a memory... <laughs> did you want yes did you want to respond to it or something oh, no, no, no. oh. that's <laughs> this was from no we're like totally out of time let me run this <laughs> I'm going to remember this and when I get mad it's going to be me no. <laughs> yes I just wanted to say real quick I, I know the correct answer is no but I was thinking about how a lot of times we're on the journey of life. We're trying to find ourselves. People always say that, trying to find ourselves. But I think if we could remember who we were before being traumatized, before being turned away, that, remember, remember, that person that we were initially is a memory of us because it's pure before we were turned away. So I know the correct answer is no, but I'm just trying okay. to get deep. <laughs> nice. Yes, sir. A memory doesn't have to be you if you can learn from it and overcome it. Okay. Francisco, what did you say about this this morning when I asked you? No, it was so wrong, but <laughs> now I'm, I'm playing. So, uh, what did you say? What, is a memory of you, you? I need to drink on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I thought a little bit about this in the past that, um, that, the memory, my memory doesn't really exist. Um, Just tell me what you said this morning when I asked. That was funny. That, 
that we're that is that uh, we're in God's imagination in His memory. What? Uh, I said that I had a friend that passed away. My friend passed away, and we were you know he was good buddies of mine. You know, make a long story short. So he's he's uh, he died. He's been cremated. He doesn't exist. He only exists in my memory. When my memory, when I forget, then he never was. He never, he never is and never was. And so uh, where does it put me? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about him. When I die, then that dies too. There's nothing there. There's only, the only memory, I think, is God's memory and God's, you know, that's, that's the true thing that exists because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disappear like a vapor and everything that I have ever known or imagined, even of myself, doesn't exist. So I'm still kind of thinking it through. Oh, okay. Is, um, that, what I, is that what I said? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm confused. I was too when you said that. <laughs> A memory of you is not you. There is no past and there is no future. And when you get into a memory of you, something that happened in the past, and you react to it because the devil bring it up. You robbed a bank 80 years ago, right? And you shot an old lady in the bank. And that old lady cripper in a wheelchair. And the devil remind you of that. And the moment you overreact to that, then you think that is you. But that happened then. That's not happening now. And so when you react to a memory of an incident or whatever, you've gone into the past. And you're reacting to the past because you believe a lie and it seemed real. A memory of what you did is not you. That's the devil tempting you in order to bring you into this illusion of the past or the future so he can control you. It's not from God and it's not from you. God is present. He's always eternal. And you want to live that way from within. The kingdom of heaven within is eternal life. And when you forgive and enter into an eternal life, you forget about the past or the future. And whatever happened then, I don't care if anyone reminds you of it or the devil reminds you of it, you let it pass. Don't get into it because once you go into the past or into the future, you, you become afraid again, you have doubt again, you have fear again because you live in an illusion. The sin is in the imagination. So whenever you believe the imagination, which is of the devil, you're going against God. You're worshiping the devil. God is right here, right now, all the time. So forget about that. Whatever happened then, happened then. It's not happening now. And ladies, if your husband beats you this morning, that doesn't mean he's going to beat you tonight. So let this morning be gone. Because the devil tell you, oh, he beat me this morning or beat me tonight. And you get home, you're ready for a fight, and you'll start a fight. Because you've been convinced that he's going to beat you. Or you're going to disagree with you, right? Stay, a memory of that is not you. Stay present, stay present. That's where all life is. It's in the present. Really. That makes sense? Will you, that makes sense to you? Why does it make sense to you? Real fast. Um, about staying in the present? Uh-huh. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, 
I don't care what happened this morning or what happened when you were driving up to the building. That doesn't exist anymore. So practice being present. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? Yep. It's, it's, not, it's easier said than done because of the ego thing. Mm. But if you know that and, and, and just know, as this young man was saying, just know you're in, in thought and it's not real. God said, come into my present. Satan is about future and past. So be done with that and stay present and you're going to be fine. Yeah. All right? Oh. that makes sense? Yep. Do you still cry? No, not as much. No, not at all. See that? Well, I mean, a little bit, but not a lot. Right. Not like before now. See how that changed? Yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say, yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. Way better, yeah. And when you do, just, oh, let it cry, let it yeah. pass. Yeah. And don't remember tomorrow how you cried yesterday. Yeah. I don't think so much about it anymore. Right on. Just, right. Yeah. I'm telling you, everything works in the present. Not in the illusion of the past or the future. So, brand new biblical question. Are you in control of your life? Are you in control of your life? How many people are in control of their lives? Only one person? Two. Can I get a three? Only two people in control. Did you raise your hand? How are you in control of your life? Well, I can choose to work out and eat healthy and try to get enough sleep, and that that I can control. Okay. How are you in control of your life? Um, I I have, like I said earlier, I have the right given to me by God to, like, self-determine. No one's going to force me to do something. I have to make a choice. So my choice is good or bad or mine to make. Okay. Real last one. How are you in control of your life? By knowing that I'm not in control. Mason. Amazing. That's the brand new biblical question for this week. Are you in control of your life? There is a deep question, too. Stay with the silent prayer and watch. I'm telling you, folks, stay with the silent prayer and watch. And when situations happen, shaking your boots, but go through it. Go through it. Come out of the comfort zone. Life is not in the comfort zone. It's outside of the comfort zone. You must overcome it. So I hope that this helped a little bit today and uh, become your own man. You got to become your own man, your own woman. Don't be crowd control. Be an individual. God is with you. Uh, uh, Miss Form this Thursday, right? Miss Form this Thursday at 7 p.m. It's amazing how time goes by fast. Um, thank you for your support, your tithing offering and all that. I do appreciate it. Uh, Hank is doing much better. He's he's like walking around a little bit. He's still like K. Hollywood, but he's walking around and he's doing much better. And he wanted to thank you guys for the ladies for wishing him well. Y'all know Hank has surgery, right? No, no. Oh, uh, yes, he has a beta back. You know about the beta back, right? Yeah. So he has surgery, and he went to the doctor. He said on Friday, and the doctor said it's going to take. Two two weeks before he's healed from it. I guess so. All I know is beta. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all. I appreciate it. Have a good week, and I'll uh, see you on the show tomorrow. If the Lord is winning the creek, don't ride. Thank you.